Welcome to the Stewardship Podcast, where we discuss how to wisely manage your resources, your influence, and on today's episode, your stuff. That's right, we're going to be talking about how to protect the stuff you've been entrusted with through insurance. I know, guys, insurance is not the most fun thing to talk about, so I invited some fun people to the podcast. Yeah, we have me and Dan and Brandon Reem, the insurance advisor and co-founder of Stewardship Insurance. So, well, I think we can frame the question in a way that makes people want to listen. Okay. Everybody wants to be wealthy. Agreed? Yes. Uh, Yeah. Okay. And on this episode, I want to talk about how wealthy people think about insurance. Mm. So we've had years and years and years of experience in helping people manage their finances, be good stewards of their finances through home loans, insurance, and investments, And there's just a common thread, a common way that wealthy folks think about and engage with their insurance. So if you're listening and you want to be somebody who's who's wealthy, you can start taking action on some of that stuff. Start having the right mindset about your insurance now, right? Absolutely. So – yeah, I I just think that it's it's wise – to think about insurance in a, in a particular way. And we know that some of our wealthy clients do think about it in a wise way. But then there's a handful of folks too who just, they're, they're not thinking about it right. Yeah, and the, that mindset plays into a lot of different areas of your life. Mm. And we all know that money can be stressful. Yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Like it, it can be a source of pain and frustration in your life. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't even matter if you have a little or a lot. Oh, for sure. Correct. Yeah. 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 It, it just, it's, it's a mindset. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we've seen people who, who don't have a lot, but have a lot of peace and people who have a ton of money and yet still have a ton of frustration in their life. And so that mindset is a, is a big part, you know, of, um, how you basically see, you know, your financial situation. Yeah. And you used a word, I think it's important to focus in on and that's peace. Um, I think most folks want to be wealthy and most folks want to have peace about their finances. And those are independent things, but it's great if they're both happening at the same time. And if you do have the right mindset and take the right actions with insurance, uh, you can have both. And that's a really good thing. So, so why not talk about it? So Brandon, you are a great storyteller (laughs) and uh, we're going to (laughs) ask you to tell a story. That's probably, I don't know. It has to do with insurance, but uh, it, it may be not be as, as fun or as funny as some of the stories you tell on the golf course when we're out there. But uh, <laughs> we'll give the listeners a whirl of this particular story. You've got one um, of what can happen, let's say, if you get, you're driving in the Fry's Food and Drugstore parking lot and you get in an accident. What can happen? What's the story you have yeah. for us about that? Yeah. Well, I think, uh, well, first, unlike the... Stories I tell on the golf course. This one's actually true, so we'll start. <laughs> okay. We'll start there. All right. Um, and you know, I think s- stories specifically with insurance are powerful because with insurance, you know, you see it as this monthly bill, mm. typically, or at least if you have a certain mindset, like most people, you see it as this, as this monthly bill. 
uh, you know, if I ask you, you know, what are your current liability limits? You likely can't tell me. What? I, I, I don't know. Asleep. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> li- you said liability. I tuned out. Right. Right. But if I ask you, what do you pay on a monthly basis? Right. And people can bring that up real quick. Yep. Um, and they usually don't bring it up with a smile. Mm-hmm. It's usually like, well, you know, I pay X amount. Of- I was paying this. Yeah. Right. So every it's just, year. It's, it's, you know, people can bring that up pretty quickly, but you know what they're covered for. Most people can't recall that. Right. Um, and that's fine. I like, I, I get it. Um, but, and so that insurance is hard to relate to because you just kind of see it as this monthly bill, but stories and what happens, you know, to other people or happens in their life helps us relate to insurance. It kind of brings the reality of insurance into our own story, mm. you know, and how it plays a part, um, in our lives and in our finances. And yeah. so, um, so yeah, so we, you know, had a client, um, who was in a, it was actually a Walmart parking lot. Okay. And this particular client was backing out of their parking space, um, you know, check to the left, check to the right, started backing up. And this person was walking through the parking lot. So another person. Another person was walking through the parking lot. And, um, you know, my client was pretty much backed out into the street mm-hmm. um, and this person who was walking wasn't paying attention and walked into the side of the car. Okay. So this, you know, our client didn't necessarily back up into the person walking, the person walking literally walked into the side, um, you know, of his car. So I imagine I'm driving, I'm in the car, I look, no one's behind me. I'm basically halfway, if not all the way backed out. Mm-hmm. And then something makes contact with my car. And it's an individual. It's a person. Mm-hmm. And it's obvious this person probably wasn't paying attention, maybe on their phone. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Okay. Right. So, and I, and I stress that because um, our client did everything he was supposed to do. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we would all agree wasn't really at fault. Okay. Um, typically in a private parking lot, and when you do have an accident, police don't show up. Yeah. You know, unless there is an actual injury. You know, so if you just kind of run into someone's bumper, police aren't showing up. It's private property. If someone's injured, police do show up. Police showed up to the scene. And private know. property is like all these public parking lots. or not public, but all these parking lots for like Walmarts and grocery yep. stores and all that. Exactly. So if you get an accident in, in a parking lot, cops aren't coming. Unless someone's injured. Yeah. So police show up. They check the security footage. They actually on the scene – tell our client, hey, you didn't do anything wrong. This person wasn't paying attention and let him go. Well, this person gets checked out, you know, by um, medical professionals and all this stuff. Client, you know, got cleared to leave the scene and that's that, right? Well, a couple of weeks later, long story short, this client is being sued and, you know, for damages, this person apparently had to go to the hospital had surgery, you know, all this stuff just Whoa. started coming up. And even though our client, you know, wasn't truly at fault, um, you know, by <laughs> you know, everyone's by, standards, by everyone's standards <laughs> um, they still uh, were held accountable uh, for the damages. And these damages were in the hundreds of thousands of dollars. Oh, my goodness. And... The thing with this story, right, is that most auto insurance policies will max out, depending on the one you have, will max out at $500,000, and this particular claim went above and beyond $500,000. Oh, no. Mm. So, 
again, <laughs> you know, real life story that uh, when you look at, you know, your own situation, you know, you kind of put yourself into this client's shoes and you think, okay, if that happened to me, what next? Mm. Do I do I have peace of mind that I'll be okay? Mm-hmm. Or does that story invoke some fear? Yeah. Of I don't know what would happen. I don't know if I'd be covered. I don't I don't know if my insurance didn't cover all of the claim. What would be, you know, what would be on me? Yeah. I, I, like, you know what I mean? So it hopefully that story is something you can relate to and kind of put yourself in that person's shoes and and evaluate what does that mean for your situation? What would that look like? Do you know? Does that does that bring fear? Does that bring peace? Do we live in a a crazy fallen world, right? And and I'm going to yeah. give the person who ran into the car the benefit of the doubt. And, you know, maybe that uh, contact that was had with the car did cause the injuries. But, like, part of me wants to believe and wonders, did they have injuries and were they walking around a parking lot looking for something like this, you know? Yeah. Because, we again, we live in a world where stuff like this happens. And um, if I am sued in an accident and and I am found guilty and those uh, damages that I am forced now by a court of law to repay exceed what my insurance is covering, I have to pay for that out of pocket. That's... And you're talking hundreds of thousands of dollars. That yeah. whoa! Now, now what? Right? And uh, that that can be that can be scary. And the thing people don't always think about uh, when they consider, you know, their insurance and how much liability coverage they have. The important thing is in that situation, you know, if someone comes after you for something you did, whether it was intentional or unintentional. Um, you know, someone comes after you, sues you, you cause an accident, whatever. Uh, your insurance company has a team of lawyers who specialize in these situations. They don't want to pay it, and they <laughs> and they are going to fight on your behalf. Yeah, right. Up until your policy limits. Yes. And so, once your policy limits have been maxed out, and they've written that check, not only, you know the remaining funds that are left over, not only is that on you, but if you want to fight that, well, you got to get, you got to go get your own yeah. set of lawyers. Wow. You know, so there's a lot of benefits that come with that policy beyond just the coverage. So this is a story I think a lot of us can relate to. We can imagine ourselves in a vehicle backing out of a parking lot and potentially hit it. If you've ever driven anywhere, <laughs> you've done this. And if you've ever done this and backed out of a parking lot, you've thought, oh, I hope I don't hit – like, oh, I'm going to check to make sure I don't hit something. So all yeah. of us can relate with this on some level. But now how does this go back to our story or our, our process of, of what we want to take the listeners to and through, which is the proper mindset about insurance? And th- when I think about it, you you talked earlier about some people, the mindset they have about insurance is it's just a monthly bill. Whereas when it comes to people who have wealth and have built wealth, the way they think about insurance is they know their liability limits or at least know I'm going to be okay if something like this happens. Yeah. Um, and I think that's the, the two biggest contrasts that we have. How do you think about insurance, listener? Is it just another monthly bill that you get irritated with when it goes up or – is it something that, no, I am paying for something of value 
that I know I'm getting in, in return and that, that value not only provides peace of mind, but it protects my stuff, which, Dan, you, you started the podcast yeah. with, right? We're, we're protecting our stuff. And, you know, there, there's all kinds of, of different ways to think about insurance. And in order for us to, to really hone in on this, okay, proper mindset, I want to talk about the, uh, the concept of self-insuring. Brandon, can you talk about what self-insuring means? Yeah, self-insuring is basically you have a set of funds. Yep. And that can vary depending on the state that you're in, you know, based yeah. on what's required by the law and all that stuff. Yeah. But essentially you have a state of funds that's your own money that mm-hmm. you've set aside specifically in the event, right, that you cause an accident. Um, and we're talking specifically auto insurance yep. for this example. Um, you have, you know, a set of money that's set aside required by the state that if you get into an accident, you can tap into those funds to then pay damages and yeah. stuff like that. That that minimum or that amount of money is not much. Mm-hmm. Again, it depends on the state, but it's it's not much. Yep. Um, you know, so you can self insure if you have if you can prove you have the assets to do so. Right. So practical examples, Dan, is if I um, am scared that my child is going to break their arm, I can have money set aside in an account, say a hundred thousand dollars or whatever to pay for any surgeries for that arm and the cast and all the things. And I have completely self-insured and I don't need to have health insurance for my child because I have money set aside, right? Yeah. Do most people have the money needed to pay for those health things? I would say no. Yeah, I don't, right? Even if you have that much money, it it probably has another job. (laughs) Exactly, right? It's assigned to something else. Yeah. And it would stink to have to to pay that out somewhere else. And a, a real life practical example as it pertains to I'll just share my situation as I put myself in the shoes of the person who backed out of that car. If I've got hundreds of thousands up to a million dollars worth of damages that are that are towards me, the, the person who walked into my car, their team of attorneys, all they have to do is search my name once on the internet, and it's public record that I own property. Mm. And it's assumed that if I own a home and I own property, that there's going to be some equity there and that there is some wealth somewhere. Yeah. And this is a case worth going after, right? So I own a property. That's public record. They're going to find that out and they're going to potentially want to come after me. So as a result, right. I don't want to just have a million dollars sitting in an account just in case I get in an accident. So the trade-off to buy insurance and not only have the $500,000 maximum coverage on my auto insurance, as you mentioned before, Brandon, but to have the additional umbrella insurance for a million dollars more minimum minimum that gives me 1.5 million in liability coverage and that's a huge peace of mind huge yeah. peace of mind and even as we talk about the extra umbrella insurance Brandon like the cost for for those where, where does it range between i mean just give me even if it's a big range don't give me don't, no one's going to hold your feet to the fire but just give somebody numbers here yeah i mean i think when you look at your liability limits on your auto policy, mm-hmm. going to that next level, unless you're maxed out, going to that next level is probably on average an additional 10 to $15 a month. Okay. Then you look at an umbrella policy, which is a minimum of a million dollars in liability. You're mm-hmm. looking at an average of about, let's just say $250 a year Okay. Um, for that type of coverage. Okay. So I'm looking at 500 bucks a year-ish, ish. maybe 800, 750 bucks a year-ish to have $1.5 million in liability. Of course, I have get other coverage and everything's outside of that. But to max these things out, now 
I, that's really good value for me to pay seven fifty so that I don't have to have a one point five sitting somewhere just in case I get in one of these accidents. You know, yeah, like that. That provides a lot of peace of mind, and and I think that's the mindset that people need to have when it comes to protecting your stuff. Mm-hmm. It's not just oh man, this is this thing that I have to pay every month, and I want to try to keep it as low as possible, but. It's what does I what do I get in exchange? What do, what do I get in 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 return? Yeah, I've been thinking a lot lately about like how much would I pay to stop thinking about this thing that's bothering me. Mm. You know, just as a general mindset of thing of value in my life. Yeah. You know how much how much would I pay for this convenience? Like some some weeks got to pay a little little extra for my groceries so someone will deliver them because I don't have the mental space right now to go grocery shopping. You know. Yeah. So it's like we pay for value. Yes. And so if we think about insurance as something that brings value to our life rather than just takes away my part of my budget. Yep. Like that's that's the key here. Yeah. Insurance brings value. Yeah, and and the thing about the common mindset that wealthy people have about insurance is they know the amount of time, energy and effort it took to build that wealth. And for them to take a portion of that wealth and set it aside to self-insure so that they can just pay the absolute cheapest amount for their insurance. To them, there's a way bigger value because they know, again, how much it took to build that wealth to just buy the insurance so they don't have to earmark a portion of their wealth for self-insurance. And they can then use that money for something else. It doesn't have to sit right. and not do anything. Right, exactly. Now they're investing or they're you know go, buying more businesses or spending more time with their family doing different vacations or whatever it is, right? They, they just think about that differently. They think they have that value. And it's not just convenience. They're paying for the peace of mind. To If I had $1.5 million, though, set aside, I could pay somebody to sit outside my car at Walmart to to stop anyone from walking <laughs> right. into my car. <laughs> yes. To wear one of those like orange vests with the reflectors. Yeah. I'm like, hey, don't walk into this car. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, it, it, I just think that th- th- it's not just, hey, this is what wealthy people do with insurance because they're protecting their wealth because they have lots of stuff now because when you're wealthy, you buy things and you have more things. Um, you have more assets that you have to protect, right? And people can try to go after that. Um, but there's just peace there. Mm-hmm. There's just this this peace of mind that you have. And even just just to that point, like I, I was you know, thinking that if, the, if my mortgage company in the state of Arizona didn't require – that I carry auto and homeowners insurance, would I still carry it? I would. 100%. Yeah. If I wasn't forced to carry this, these policies, would I still carry it? Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, even if I get in a small little fender bender where like just say my rear view mirror gets nicked up or broken or smashed or something, which is completely like you, that thing's sticking out, right? And I'm driving all over the place. There's like cameras on that sucker and it makes it super expensive to replace. If I run into like a street sign, those things are hundreds of thousands of dollars, right? There are people all, again, we live in this fallen world that are walking into your car in a parking lot. And even though the cops said you weren't at fault, you're now sued and you lose. Like, that's real. Like, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm totally having the insurance. I'm totally having it. Dan, this has uh, been, I think, a really good conversation so far mm. about the proper mindset. And I'm excited about jumping into the second half of this episode to give practical examples of like, okay, now that you have that right mindset, what do you do with it? 
mm-hmm. what should you be doing based on what stage of wealth you're in? And, and I'm going to ask Brandon some pretty pointed questions as it pertains to that. But let's uh, go to our break where we're going to hit people with our one-minute money tip because at Stewardship, we are doing home loans, insurance, and investments with wisdom and love. So hit them. My biggest investment mistake. Oh, man, this one hurt. You guys, I wanted to be a real estate investor. I was a little bit younger. The market was hot. Everybody's making a ton of money. So I jumped in and did the same thing. It was a mistake. Why? Because when you're investing, especially in real estate, one of the last things you want to do is buy at the peak of the market. And that's what I did. The old adage of buy low, sell high is true and good, especially when doing real estate investment. But really the mistake It didn't just come down to the timing of when I bought. Man, it was just frustrating to deal with. So many unexpected things happened and I didn't plan for them and that hurt. Plan for the unexpected, buy at the low, not at the peak. Learn from my mistakes before you get into making investments, especially with real estate. All right, Brandon. So just to summarize, because we've talked a lot about insurance. So just to summarize for people, what is the right mindset to have about insurance? Yeah, and that's 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 a great question because I think to start, you really have to when you look at your finances wherever you're at, you have to see your finances as, you know, in the context of like you're moving towards something. Yeah. You're you're building mm-hmm. towards something. You have a set of goals or whatever it may be like you know, if you see your finances simply as this is what I got coming in and this is what I got going out. It's going to be hard to shift your mindset on mm. insurance, right? So yeah. you got to have, a, you know, you got to be able to see your finances as you're moving towards something. Mm-hmm. Whatever that goal is, you're, you're moving towards that. Because and, and I think most of our listeners are there because yeah. we we all want to be better people. We all have a a purpose in life that we're pursuing and our finances mm-hmm. are an important piece of that purpose. Yep. Uh, not that everyone's purpose is about money, but you know, finances allow us to fulfill that purpose. At least differently. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And so I, th- I think it's, you're absolutely right. It has to be a holistic viewpoint on finances. So insurance needs to be part of your financial plan. Yeah. And so once you know, once you're able to see, or you do see your finances as uh, moving towards these goals, this is I'm building towards something that's bigger than just what comes in, what goes out. Then your your insurance, you can start to see your insurance as not just this monthly bill. You know, that's a big pain every time you you know see it hit your account. You can start to see insurance as protection. Yeah, I and mean, that's really what it is. Insurance, you know, strip it down. It is the transfer of risk. Mm-hmm. I think that's the official definition. It is the transfer of risk. So you are saying with insurance and viewing it, you know, in this context, you are saying that I, you know, we live in a fallen world, as we said, bad things happen. And so the potential of these bad things and the the financial consequences of these bad things, I am transferring that to the insurance carrier so I can have peace of mind. Yep. That's really what this comes down to. And that's really the mindset that we want to move people towards because when it is a monthly bill, it's stressful. Mm, yeah. It is, it's just, it just adds stress. It adds pain. It adds frustration to your life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One of the you things know? I've heard about insurance is people think of it as like, it's something you, you want to buy and you never want to use. 
yeah. mm. which I think is it kind of feeds into that wrong mindset because it, it feels like you're losing money for no reason. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, it really needs to be, again, it really needs to be this idea of protection. Yeah. Like transferring the possible to a company that has the financial means to handle this so that I don't have to worry about it. And a very good financial advisor, an investment advisor who's working with people that are in the stage three of wealth building, and we'll review those here in a bit, but they're going to talk a lot about risk, including but not limited to what risks you're comfortable with in your investments, but other risks that you have in life, meaning when one question that gets talked about all the time, at towards the end of your life, every individual on average will need a long-term care situation. And mm-hmm. those typically um, last about three years. So how are you going to pay for those things, right? That's a question that a really great financial advisor is going to ask because you have to prepare for those things. So things like risk about, okay, if you get in a car accident, how is that going to get paid for? Well, I have this insurance. Great. That means this money that you've built over here, instead of earmarking it for that to, to, to pay for a potential accident that you are have a pretty good chance of getting in at some point in your life. Guess what? Now we can take that and we can go invest. We can build wealth more. We can go you know, accomplish these goals over here. The risk conversation helps with that proper mindset. Or the risk conversation is happening with folks that do have the proper mindset. Mm-hmm. And it, I'm buying a thing in an exchange. I can have peace of mind so that I can go do other things with my money instead of earmarking it to pay for stuff that, that I've got to handle. All right, so – the, the three stages of wealth that we have defined, uh, just to make clear, uh, Daniel, stage one is the what stage? Stage one is the getting control stage. Getting control. And what are we trying to do in the getting control stage? You're trying to make sure that there's there's not more money leaving your account than coming into it. And it's, Correct. it's kind of what Brandon was talking about, that if you're just thinking about your money as you know, what's coming in and what's going out. And that means you're in stage one. Yeah. You probably have some debt. You yep. may have some maybe bad financial habits. Yep. But you're working on it. Yeah. You, you know, this is where Heather and I were when we first got married. We yeah. we had student loans, and we were trying to figure out what it's like to live on a budget. And now we are not in that place anymore. We're in stage two. Right. When stage two means you, you have control. You have control of your expenses and your income. You're not spending more than what you bring in. And you're you're to a place where you have, in stage two, we call this the margin stage, mm-hmm. where you have a little bit of excess. And you're like, whoa, what do I do with this? Right. And in stage two, you want to make sure that you are doing the right things with saving for the future, like investing in your company 401k and doing any IRA or your, your annual contributions to those retirement accounts. But in stage two, the big thing is that you create a habit of saving, mm-hmm. that every time money comes in, not only are you paying bills, but you're saving. And also, you're getting familiar with investing. Now, which stage, is also getting familiar with risk. Yes. Yeah. Which is a big part of this conversation. And getting familiar with investing doesn't mean you need a financial advisor. Mm-hmm. This just means, in, in one of the awesome videos that you made, Dan, you can open up an investment account like with a Betterment or something like that and just start making some contributions when you have some excess, whether it's 10 bucks a month or 100 bucks a month or whatever it is, when you have excess, get familiar with that. Mm-hmm. And start building some wealth outside of the retirement accounts. And once you get familiar with investing and you see that wealth building and your margins now even growing better because you're gaining even more control, then you enter into stage three where you do have a little bit of wealth. And this stage is the impact stage. Because, Brandon, if you do a lot of wise things in the impact stage, you can make a really big impact. But if you make some really poor decisions here, it can have a big negative impact. Example. If I'm in stage three 
and I back up and somebody walks into my car (laughs) and I don't have the right insurance and I got to pay $800,000, I'm automatically now back to stage one. Yeah. And my impact is significantly limited. Okay. So, all right. All the listeners now, I want you to think, what stage of wealth are you in? Are you in control? Are you in margin? Or are you in the impact stage? Stage one, stage two, or stage three? And if you're not sure, we made videos. We did. Yeah. So go check, check out, out our YouTube channel. Yeah, we yep. have a playlist over there. Yep. And Brandon, if I'm in stage one where I'm trying to get control, what? how do I need to be taking action on my insurance? What, what do I need to make sure I'm doing? I think step one is get familiar with what you have. Okay. You know, so if you, you mean maybe you're a homeowner, maybe you're renting, maybe, you know, whatever your situation is likely, especially here in Arizona, you, you have auto insurance because everyone drives everywhere, right? Um, get familiar with what you have. Get an understanding of your limits yeah. and start to familiarize yourself with insurance beyond what you pay on a monthly basis. Mm-hmm. Have that conversation with your agent, figure out what am I covered for, what am I not covered for, and start from there. Yeah. I think that's the biggest thing. You know, you talk about getting control. Well, that's part of getting control. Yeah, you're you're trying to get control, and when you're trying to get control, you need to figure out your expenses. And a great question to ask, like I love what you just said. What am I paying for? So that you call your insurance advisor and say, "Hey, uh, it looks like this much is coming out of my account for insurance. What am I getting here? What 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 am I actually paying for? Right? Understand that value that you are receiving in exchange for the risk transfer." And uh, that's a really great thing to ask. Are there things that could be done to potentially decrease that expense to, to maybe be a little bit more competitive to help you get control of your finances? Sure, maybe. Yeah. But either way, you, you've got to understand what am I paying for? Because that's one of the big things that can help people get out of stage one is they recognize, wow, there's a lot of expenses here. I didn't even know I was paying or I don't even know what I'm paying for. Let's cancel some of these. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and they get more control. All right. Stage two now, Brandon, this is somebody who has a little bit of margin likely a homeowner in the process of trying to become a homeowner, but they're starting to build some some assets, maybe even starting to build a habit of saving. And they've got a few thousand bucks in, in a savings account to cover some expenses in a worst case scenario. They know risk is, is coming. They're familiar with that, right? They have a little bit more peace of mind. How do they need to be thinking about insurance? What, what should they be doing? Yeah, I think in this stage, um, you know, so whether you have homeowner's insurance, you know, or you have renter's insurance, max out your liability. Max out your liability. Okay. So when I say that, we, we actually were talking a little bit before we hit record, Daniel, you said there was like a popular thing out there with insurance that people were saying it was. Yeah. Yeah. In like the early 2000s, there were tons of commercials. I used to remember I watched a lot of TV when I was young <laughs> and there was tons of commercials for different insurance companies that promised to get you the lowest monthly expense because they're giving you the state minimum coverage. Yes. And that was like the buzzword, minimum coverage. Right. I want minimum coverage, right? Yeah. And stage two, you, you got to get away from that. Yeah. yeah. You, so, and, the, and here's the thing with that. I, it, you know, I don't want to say, hey, max out your coverage and people think that I'm telling you to increase your bills like $300 a year. On homeowners insurance and renters insurance, getting the max liability, and typically it's one hundred thousand, three hundred thousand, or five hundred thousand. Some carriers, you know, very few will go higher than that, but most max out at five hundred thousand. If let's say you had a hundred thousand and you bumped it up to five hundred thousand, the increase yearly, based on you know your experience, many years yeah. of doing this, yeah. the increase is going to be less than twenty five bucks a year. Yeah, wow. So it's- we're talking very very minimal. Yeah, right. So that's instant value that you can add to your life mm-hmm. for next to nothing. Yep. Yeah, for all the math nerds, 
it's worth it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, and, and I think, you know, when you get to stage two um, and, and you do have a little bit of margin and, and maybe you're a homeowner, you've, maybe you've got some stuff in your, your home, it might be wise too to have a conversation with your insurance agent about other items that you have, jewelry, an engagement ring, um, guns, uh, different pieces of technology, uh, musical equipment. Your collection of Italian art. Yeah, whatever that is <laughs> that you might have that's Which valuable. Have. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, you have to talk to your insurance agent and say, hey, heads up, I got these things. Um, I don't, it would stink if they got stolen. Uh, is there some things that can be done to my insurance to make sure that that stuff gets covered as well? Right? Yep. All right, so now stage three. Well, your- well we, we'll skip real quick. Okay, go for two. it. Okay. So max out your liability on renters and home. And then on your auto insurance, uh, without getting too technical, um, you know, we recommend higher, but you should have no less than 100000 per person, 300000 per accident on your liability limits. Coverage, yeah. You should have no less. And, and that's if not you, the state minimum. That's the branded that the minimum. St- <laughs> yes. Yeah. The state minimum is the, what is it, 15? 20, uh, it's 25000 50000 Okay, Oof. yeah. So, which is nothing. Right. Yeah. Right. Like, especially some of these Teslas out there. Like that's. Yeah. If a car is involved, yeah. that won't it, fix anything. Yeah. No. Yeah. Um, so anyway, so like, yeah. So minimum, bare minimum, hundred thousand, three hundred thousand. Um, we recommend higher, but like you should have no less than that. Right. So if you're in stage two, you need to have a conversation with your insurance advisor and say, I've got to have on my auto insurance at the very least 100, 300 coverage. And then you could go up to the 250, 500, right? Yep. Okay. So now stage three, you have wealth built and you're trying to grow most of that. And really you're at a place where I want to make the biggest impact possible. And I want to make sure that I'm not going backwards in my stages of wealth. So what are some things that I've got to have when I'm in stage three to make sure I'm not going backwards? Yeah. So at this point, when you're in stage three, that, you know, you got to have, you should max out not only your homeowner's insurance, but you should max out your auto insurance. Okay. Um, the max liability limits I can possibly get on my home and on my auto. Yep, yep. You should max those out. Beyond that, you need to get an umbrella policy. An umbrella policy is additional coverage on top of the maxes that I'm able to get for my auto and, and home. Correct. It's a policy above your home, your auto, your secondary home, your rental property. Um, this is where an umbrella policy is extremely valuable because it's one policy to extend above your other policies that you have in place. Yeah, I like personally an umbrella. Ha- yeah, like an umbrella. Yeah, I kind of like an umbrella. Yeah, and I personally have one of those. It gives me a ton of peace of mind. I love it, and it doesn't cost me a ton of money. It's no. great. Yeah, no, yeah. And then at that point, when you're in stage three, that's when you really have that conversation with your insurance advisor as far as how much umbrella coverage should I carry. Mm. Because those, you know, can go as high as ten million, mm-hmm. um, you know, if needed. But it's, that's a conversation you got to have. That's pertains to your situation. Okay, so the action step I need to take if I'm in, if I'm in stage three is I've got to max my liability on my auto and home, and I've got to get additional liability by way of an umbrella policy. And an additional thing I think that you should talk to your insurance advisor about if you're in stage three is, hey, I might need to think about protecting some risk about my income disability mm-hmm. insurance, right? Mm-hmm. If my income is pretty stinking valuable to my family, and if I become disabled, 
Uh, I, I need to have something to replace that income. Disability insurance is a big deal. Uh, by this time, you've got to make sure you have some life insurance, right? Yes. To replace that income if something happens to me. That's a stage th- two thing. Probably, yes. Yeah. And stage two is where you really need to have life insurance as well. I totally agree. Mm-hmm. Um, but then even thinking with your financial advisor, that whole question we talked about, about care for the end of life, what's your long-term care plan? Are you going to self-insure for that? Meaning you're going to earmark some of your assets to pay for your long-term care facility or your spouse's long-term care facility when you get to that place? Or is now the time to think about buying some long-term care insurance, right? Uh, and, and transferring that so you can do something else different with that money. Which that, isn't really a question for people who are like 30, probably. Right. It, it have to be. We have to start talking about the plan or yeah. what, what you want to do. Yeah. You may not have to think about taking action. But if you're in stage three, definitely at least have the conversation. For sure. All right. So we've talked about the proper mindset with insurance. I think- Wealthy folks, they don't see it as a bill, right, Brandon? Yes. They, wealthy folks see it as something that this is something where my I'm exchanging value here for my risk so I can do other things with my money. The good news is you don't have to be wealthy to start thinking about insurance correctly. And regardless of what stage you're in, you can take action now to have the proper mindset about insurance. Stage one. You want to make sure that you know what you're paying for. Start getting familiar with some of this stuff, right? Stage two, Daniel said it. Hey, got to make sure you're getting some life insurance. Got to have a minimum of that 100, 300 liability coverage and potentially look at increasing some liability on your homeowners. And stage three, max out those liability limits. Get that umbrella policy and even think about disability insurance. What are you going to do for long-term care planning? And make sure you have some good life insurance. Um, We just had a conversation almost 40 minutes long about insurance holy cow and none of us fell asleep hey i'm still awake yeah we're here we're here uh brandon thank you so much for coming on to the episode and having a valuable conversation about insurance um it can be boring but with that story that we could all relate to with the quick simple easy action steps that are there um it it made it relatable made it made it easy listen if, if you're still here listening to the end of this podcast your call to action is to have a conversation with your insurance advisor Depending on what stage of the wealth building journey you're in, make sure you ask that question to your advisor. We will see you guys in a couple of weeks.